hello to you all this fine day. Um, for me, it's early morning, and I am starting to work on my sermon for next week. And as I was doing so, I was reminded that I needed to think about the sermon that I preached Sunday. Sunday's sermon called Food for the Sabbath, Humble Pie, came from Luke chapter 13, where Jesus is um, coming into the house of one of the chief Pharisees for his Sabbath meal. And let me correct that, it's actually Luke 14. In Luke 13, he's in the synagogue uh, on the Sabbath, and um, there he actually heals a woman bent over for 18 years, uh, according to Jesus, by the power of Satan. And when he heals her, the, um, the head guy there in the synagogue basically says, you know, you shouldn't do this. Um, you, you can, you can do this any other day, but don't do it on the Sabbath. And Jesus says to him, do you not have, you know, animals that are pinned up or tied up and on the Sabbath, do you not at least unleash them or let them out and lead them to water to get a drink of water? And Jesus begins to develop, uh, the doctrine and the understanding uh, that the Westminster divines teach that the Sabbath is fit for works of necessity and mercy, and that a total prohibition of any kind of labor is not at all given for the Sabbath, but that we're not to be working to try to further our you know economy we're not working and striving to try to earn money, but what we can do and what we should do is we should certainly love our brother on the Sabbath. And if he, you know, uh, was injured and and needed healing, uh, we could do that. And so one of the key things here is that when Jesus said this to the man, it says that the man was ashamed and the people rejoiced. And you can read about this in Luke chapter 13. So... Jesus leaves the synagogue, um, and he now goes into the home of one of the chief Pharisees and goes for a meal. And so we talked about, hey, you know, having a meal, Jesus went over to people's house for fellowship uh, after uh, Sunday worship. And so here we have an example, a good example of this is not a bad thing to do. So here he is, he's at the home of this uh, chief Pharisee, and it says in verse 1 of uh, Luke chapter 14 that they were watching him, that they had invited him over there, um, obviously, so they could watch him. And so he knew this, and he knew they were watching him, and so he used this opportunity, well, good morning, Liam. Oh, yeah, Liam just got a track for his birthday here, and he's putting together a racetrack, and Gid's going to help him put it together. Um, And so we'll get back here just in a minute to Luke chapter 14 uh, and the story of Food for the Sabbath, 
humble pie. So what we discovered Sunday when we went through this is that Jesus was offering a lesson on humility. And oftentimes when we look at humility, we look at something that is a good thing and something that we ought to do and uh, you know, something that is the mark of a Christian and all those things are so. But Jesus emphasized in Luke chapter 14 that if humility didn't become a part of the life of a uh, a man, that he would see to it that it did. So the Bible says that they that uh, God, that, you know, as we know, it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, it says whosoever uh, shall exalt himself, he's going to be abased. And so Jesus is teaching and reminding them that God demands humility and he will have it. So he starts off, he's at a meal, he's sitting there, and he's across from a man or near a man who has uh, a disease called dropsy. And dropsy is a disease that causes swelling in the body, um, oftentimes in the stomach, but it can be everywhere. And as he, you know, they swell up, uh, it's very debilitating and painful, even though now we know it's caused by lots of different things. They called it dropsy then, and it was incurable. We notice that the man, when he, when Jesus sees it, and and Jesus preempts, uh, they're they're watching him, and so he preempts them by saying to them, "Is it right? Is it lawful for uh, healing to be done on the Sabbath?" So he preempts them, and if you notice in the in that verse, he says uh, that they didn't say anything. And I thought it was really funny that here these guys who basically make a living talking talking, talking, talking about every little detail of everything or ask a question about the scriptures and they're completely silenced. And so this is one way God uh, humbles us. He humbles us by directing us to the truth. And when the truth is spoken, it silences our foolishness and silences our pride. So then Jesus, out of kindness to these people, even though they're, they're wrong and they're haughty and proud, he takes the man, it says he takes him, and he heals him, and he lets him go. So he doesn't just, you know, stand up in front of them and heal the man and incite them. He is kind to them, um, but he also knows that they're upset about it, and they think he shouldn't do it. So he asks them a similar question as he did the leader in the synagogue. He asked them, do you not have animals? And if on the Sabbath day your animal would go in, uh, you know, and fall and, and need help, um, which of you would not go and gladly get him out? And when he says this to them, this is very embarrassing to them because they were, they had taught that these kinds of things, uh, you know, that what Jesus was doing was wrong to heal this man. And they, you know, it seemed that, that every time Jesus is healing practically, it's on the Sabbath, and people are complaining, and they're saying it's breaking the law, and he's assaulting this false notion, and he's using this to teach them humility. And so he is humiliating them, uh, and he is bringing them to a place where they are understanding this truth 
but at the same time he is silencing them. So he asked them his question. They're completely silenced by it. They don't say a word. And so Jesus launches into a parable uh, to explain humility. So he begins to explain to them that if you get invited over to a feast, you should not take the very best seat of honor for yourself. This is, I know your way, he says. I know that you like to sit in the best seat and you like to position yourself. But if you do this, you're not just positioning yourself to be honored at the feast. You're positioning yourself to be humiliated. And he said, because if you come in and someone, you know, you're in a better seat and extra people come who might be more honorable than you, they're going to move you down to the least honorable seat. He's describing a situation that if it happened in a social setting, it would be utterly humiliating. And so he's emphasizing this teaching that God will do this to you. If you put yourself forward as an important person and you set yourself up to be honored and you think that you deserve the best and everybody else should sit at the kid table, you're going to find out that God isn't pleased with that self uh, description of yourself. He doesn't see you as the most important person, that your job and the way to show your godliness and your kindness and your humility to others is by um, going and picking the lowest seat for yourself. So, you know, not only is this um, practical, not only is this, you know, politically smart, but it's it's a necessity in the kingdom of God. So he starts kind of what I would say more on a surface level by giving them the mechanics. Go in a room, pick the lowest seat, and then when a man comes in, uh, he can move you up to a higher seat, and you'll be honored by that. But what you don't want to do is put yourself in the position to be humbled. So when he lays this out, he is explaining and he's he's letting them know um, that practically speaking, humiliation is what's going to happen to them uh, if they don't do it themselves. And so that's that's the that's the mechanics. So in the middle of this, this um, man who starts to feel the uncomfortableness of it all, um, he, he kind of blurts out something. He says, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, when you see what Jesus says after this, or doesn't say, the commentators that I read, uh, it makes me believe that they're probably right. Jesus doesn't address this at all. I mean, it sounds like a good saying, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But one commentator said this man was feeling the heat, he was feeling uncomfortable with what may you know, have been like a direct condemnation of his own behavior. Uh, and he quotes this saying, and apparently it was a saying of the day. And oftentimes you'll see when Jesus interacts with people, he completely ignores things that they're saying. Um, and in this instance, Jesus went right back to it. He ignores what the man said. He was trying to just, you know, change the subject basically. So he moves on in verse 16 of, uh, Luke chapter 14. And he says, a certain man made a great supper and he bade many and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden come for all things are ready. Now what happens next is it says they with all 
every one of them began to make excuses. And he lays out all these excuses that they had for not coming. And the servant comes back, tells the Lord, uh, the master of the house was angry. Remember this? He goes out into the streets and lanes of the city, bring hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou commanded, but yet there is room. Uh, the Lord said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and he said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, uh, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So my prayer for all of us at Foundation Church is that we would see ourselves in the proper way. We know the catechism, kind of a thing we made up here at our church where there is an order in the kingdom and it's everybody first and then me. If we would really live that way and think that way, and uh, we would not need to be humbled by God. But the scripture and the story, the parable, everything that happened here in this chapter tells us that if we're not willing to do this on our own, that God will humble us. I pray that we don't need God to humble us, but that we would humble ourselves before the Lord, that he might exalt us.